In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be reviewing the win against Benevento and the draw against Lazio. We'll be reviewing the Mercato with David Amoyal from Di Marzio's English page, our season predictions, this week's Moji, Moratti and Frog, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, only on centrainter.com. Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. The Mercato just closed about an hour and a half ago when we were recording this. It's been a very intense Mercato. And we, as always, we're very happy that whenever Inter's Mercato in the summer cl- uh, closed, it's become like a tradition to invite our first guest on. He is uh, he's the host of the excellent Couchland podcast. He's also the manage- English manager of Di Marzio's page. Welcome, Mr. David Amoyal. It's a great pleasure to be with you guys. What a nice tradition to chat about Inter's Mercato right after the window. So great to be with you guys. Thanks so much for having me. It's our pleasure. And we're also joined by the Semprinter.com preview writer, Mr. Mohamed Nassar. How are you? I am uh, very well. Thank you very much. Very excited about this episode. So looking forward to it. And we're also joined by our good friend, Mr. William Beckman. How are you? All good, Nima. Hoping that this is not the last episode of Studio Inter before Serie A 2020-2021 implodes and ceases to exist as uh, more and more protocols are ripped up and uh, ruined and people become positive and the domino effect kills us all. But other than that, (laughs) (laughs) on that happy note. Uh, we're also joined by our good friend from uh, the Athletic over in in Texas. I'm going to say because I always I always get Houston and Dallas mixed up, so I'm just going to go with Texas because that's the right state. Mr. Mike Pialucci. Keep it broad. I like it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> who's, who's ready for a, a full metal half season of Raja and Nertura Vidal together? I'm pumped. Let's do it. I you see that that is that I, that I'm really happy about that. And let's get right to it because I've not been happy about this Mercato at all. Uh, because uh, I think it's been very underwhelming uh, given how it started. But, you know, it, it, based on the financial realities and also Antonio Conte and all that, I really want to ask you something, David, before we get to the to the listener questions, which we have quite a few for you, because every time we have you on, people want to ask you all sorts. My my question is, um, how do you, do you view this whole thing with Conte after the Atalanta game, the peace talks, and then the change of strategy that Inter underwent? Because as, as you're well aware, the past four or five years, Suning and Inter have always spoken about, and Marotta have been speaking about, you know, long-term, young, homegrown. That's changed now. It's it's Colorado and Vidal and Darmian, which are not homegrown or or or, or at least they're not very young. Um, how do you like? How do you view that? And do you think that this puts extra pressure on Inter to win the Scudetto this season? Yeah. Um, so. I would say it's been very interesting, the dynamic of the Mercato, because obviously Inter got off to a gangbuster start with Hakimi, which, you know, I think all things considered is probably the best addition for any team in Serie A this summer. So, you know, I know it's been a little bit underwhelming after that. I think, you know, you can make a case for Osman at Napoli. He's looked good. But we knew Hakimi was going to be a home run for Inter. And he's shown what he's shown on the pitch is that he probably is the best new addition in Serie A. To me, it kind of reminds me a little of when Salah went to Fiorentina, just took the league by storm. But you are right after that, you know, right after that meeting with Conte and Zhang, you know, it came out that Inter had basically no money to spend on the market. They withdraw essentially from the Tonali race. Watch him go to Inter, and I don't know what Zhang said to Conte, but I think he won that meeting. I think there's no way around it. He retained his coach. Uh, The dynamic on the transfer market on paper, you would have said these are exactly a lot of the things that would make Conte flip out. Now, granted, they did bring him in Vidal there, which was a nice move as well. Uh, but, you know, if I look at Inter's Mercato, my thought is that if Inter doesn't win the Scudetto, 
then it's a, it's a problem because, in my opinion, you look at Inter in recent years, you know, they had Zaniolo sacrifice them for Nainggolan. They could have had Kuluzeski. He ends up going to Juve. They had Tonali reserved for months. That does He goes to Milan. They had Kumbula reserved as well. Uh, granted, Skriniar stayed, so you didn't really need him. But he ends up going to Roma. And these are, I would say, among some of the best talents we've had in Serie A in recent years. So if you pass on those and you're like, okay, we're going to go more for the veteran type, to me, you have to win. But, you know, I look at Inter, the additions they've made, and I go back to January, I kind of count Ericsson as well. I always evaluate transfer moves on, you know, are the additions you're making good enough to play regularly on the teams you're competing with or trying to catch up to? And Inter has their sights on Juve, they add Hakimi and Vidal. I think both those guys could start for Juve. They added Ericsson, who I think, you know, tactically it's been an issue fitting him in at Inter. But quality-wise, it's a great player. He could start at Juve. So I like what Inter's done overall. I think they've set themselves up to go all in and win the Scudetto this year. But if they don't, and look, it's a big positive ending Juve's 10-year streak. We could look back at this year, starting back to January with Kuluzeski, as really sacrificing too much short-term uh, and giving up on the long-term. Mm, for sure. Um, the, the, I'm, I'm going to hand you over to, uh, to, to Mo now. Did you have a question for David? Yeah, I did, uh, particularly about um, uh, the Raja Nangolan case. So we know yeah. uh, that there, there are reports uh, about his alleged uh, discontent with... Uh, the projected t- uh, playing time that he's going to receive uh, under Conte. Uh, and this was why he apparently was pushing for a move back to Cagliari, despite the, the economic terms not being favorable to the intermanagement. Um, do you reckon that, um, you know, um, all things, all other things being equal, if you were in charge of the uh, interest transfer policy, would you offload a fiery character like Mangolan uh, unfavorably, uh, you know, knowing that he he could be upset with the, the 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 role that he gets to play in the coming six, four, six, three, however many months until he get until he leaves the club, or do you think that his quality uh, will uh, inevitably become useful to uh, to the Scudetto push at least in the early parts of the season? Yeah, so I'll say this, that I'm intrigued by Nainggolan staying. I thought maybe that sub that we saw him and Vidal coming on the pitch together would end up just being like a meme for one game, saying, oh, look at the muscular midfield for Inter, what could have been. I'm pretty intrigued by it. Uh, I would try to see and work it out to see what he can do through January. Because, you know, in my opinion, it's not like he's at Juve, Higuain, Matuidi, Kadira. I mean, those players were basically done. And they just didn't want them on their payroll. They really didn't want them around their team altogether. I don't get the vibe that, to me, Nainggolan definitely has a little bit left. He showed at Cagliari he did well. Uh, we know last year he really wanted to prove himself at Inter, and I feel like now he'll have a chance. Granted, uh, that midfield really is stacked. I think Inter, you know, had the offer from Cagliari been enough to cover cover his amortized value and be totally done, maybe would have been happy to move on. But I think I'm cautiously optimistic. Even for Nangolan, this is a good opportunity for him. We know he hates Juve competing against them. So I think they have until now in January to see kind of where his head's at and see if he can help out or not. Uh, Mike, did you have a question for David? I do. Big fan of the podcast, David. Thanks for uh, being here with us. Um, I wanted to ask you something a little more forward-facing. I think if you were asked to identify kind of a bigger picture need, not now, but maybe as soon as next summer for Inter, it probably would be a true heir to Samir Hondanovic. Um the guy who, of course, you know, I, yeah. I know from listening to your pod that you named him the best, you know, Serie A keeper of the last decade. I would agree with you. My question is, if you're Inter and you are looking, let's just say in Italy, because there are a lot of goalkeepers around the world. But if you're looking in Italy, who would you go after? Would it be Cranio? Would it be um, Alex Barre? 
Would it be Juan Musso, who's always a popular target among Inter favorites? You know, who would be the person you'd set your sights on? And do you see someone domestically besides like a Donnarumma who isn't coming here, uh, who has the potential to be as good as what Handanovic was from you know eleven through about nineteen or twenty or so? Sure. No, great question. Um, look, and I didn't mention it at the beginning, kind of my observation as a whole. I mean, look, I think a lot changed for Inter with Lautaro not being sold. I think in their mind, they thought there was a decent chance that could happen. And with COVID, it didn't. So I feel like a lot went back to the drawing board with the keeper being one of them because they didn't bring in Radu to be the backup now. I definitely think he's an upgrade on the backups they had last year. But I think this year had COVID not happened, had they maybe moved on from Lautaro, I think they would have done similar to what Juve did. They bring in Suchesny basically a year before he's the starter. He's kind of a deluxe backup for Buffon and then gets the the starter's title. I think Marotta wanted to do the same at Inter. I think they would have loved to bring in Musso from Udinese and I think he's excellent. He's Argentine, checks a ton of boxes. Handanovic came from Udinese. I mean, it really checks a lot of boxes. I think they would have done it this year, but obviously Lautaro didn't go. Inter had to watch their money. Uh, I think you get either Cranio or Musso, you're getting really great players. Obviously, Inter have a great relationship with Cagliari. I think Cranio and Inter has gone more Italian. That would be a really nice addition. Uh, I, I rate Cranio slightly higher than Musso, though Musso is really good um, as well. So, yeah, I agree. Next season, that's definitely something to look at. Andanovic, you know, I think it's very easy to, uh, you know, highlight his mistakes, but he's still excellent. I think every time he makes a mistake, people bring up his age, but even Donnarumma makes mistakes. So I wouldn't overreact. I think for this season, he's fine. But after that, absolutely. Um, Will, did you have a question for David before we go to the listener questions? Yes. Um, I'd like to go to the opposite end of the pitch, if I could, David. Um, do you sure. Think- do you think Inter are covered in attack? Um, we've heard a lot of talk um, today, uh, today being Monday, that there was a Gervinio Pinamonti swap deal with uh, that Parma that, that could have gone through, but for which there wasn't enough time. I think Conte said yesterday that uh, Lukaku, Sanchez, Lautaro and Pinamonti is the minimum that he would need for a, a, a long season in which Inter are expected to play every three days. So do you think Inter are, are a little bit short there? And if they are, do you think they could have found something that's clearly better than Pinamonte because I think the if you're looking at gaps that are in the the squad while there's a lot of depth there is still a of having a a very clear credible backup to Lukaku who you know did well to play most of the games last season and would do even better to do so this year given that everything is going to be compressed together even more than it was last year yeah, it's a great question. Uh, look, in an ideal world, would you like to have a backup that plays similar to Lukaku? I mean, Petania would have been a fantastic signing, in my opinion, to back him up. Or veteran like Giroud, someone that can play that classic number nine. I mean, we know last year Inter were looking at Zico potentially as a backup. And think of how much the financial situation has changed. Um, yeah, so I agree. There's definitely not uh, ideal a backup to uh, Lukaku. I will say Alexis Sanchez has been really sensational. I think ultimately, say Lukaku, knock on wood, because I really like him. I expect a huge season from him. Say he were out for short amount of time i would imagine lautaro would be the main striker with maybe sanchez and erickson flanking him a little bit more it'd have to be a different look uh, but i would say having the alexi sanchez that inter has this year certainly feels like a different player when he arrived so while it would have been nice to have a petania type to back up lukaku in a way it also can be kind of intriguing to have a completely different look offensively if you need it so i wouldn't say it's a huge issue but uh definitely something to watch for sure um uh speak we have a few questions uh from from uh, from some um uh, listeners who already kind of it's kind of what we touched on but one of them is uh, uh one person is at g-e-r-s-i-i-21 jersey hoffman who asks do you think inter will regret missing out on tonali and do you think is it due to tactical choice or misguided strength transfer strategy? I'd like to add in Kumbula into that as well. Yeah, 
I mean, look, I I like Tonali. There's no doubt about it. And look, he hasn't been in great physical shape, but he has shown some flashes at Milan where you're like, okay, this guy definitely has there's a top player somewhere in there. But I also would say it's not that he had a great second half to the season. It almost felt like maybe he was coasting a little bit after he had established himself in uh, Serie A. I would say, Inter, to me, if Sensi can somehow stay healthy and become a player that you can get, let's say, 25 starts a season in Serie A, I have to be honest, I don't see a huge difference. I mean, Sensi, for a while last year, we were talking about him as the best new addition in Serie um, I love Barella. It was an absolute home run. So it's not like Inter hasn't brought the end. They're Italian as well, which for some people matters. So I have to say the one that I could see maybe even more than Tonali is Kuluzeski because he's at Juve. And Kumbula definitely would have been a nice fit, I think. Had Inter lost Skriniar, Kumbula, I think, would have been a fantastic replacement because in a lot of ways, he's the opposite of Skriniar. He's tailor-made for that Conte-type defense. He's, you know, more of a finesse, Barzagli-type defender than a brute force. So I think Kumbula, you know, say Skriniar had left and Inter didn't replace him with Kumbula. Yeah, that would have been a big problem. But, uh, you know, hopefully Skriniar will now be for years to stay at Inter. I think, you know, we could be looking at uh, Devry, Bastoni, and him leading Inter's defense for a really long time. And at that point, not too many... Um, you know, regrets. So I'll say Tonali, it's possible, but I have faith in Sensi. He might be able to kind of make up for that. And again, with Barella there, Inter has done well overall with Italian midfielders. Um, at Parmesh SRIV, Parmeshwar Srivastava, he asks us, how would you rate Inter's Mercato? And do you think Inter need a left wing back? And should they have pushed harder for maybe Emerson Palmieri or Marcos Alonso? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Marcos Alonso or Emerson, either of them, would have been certainly nice additions. Obviously, they know Conte, Marcos Alonso in an emergency can also play center back. Uh, But what I will say is that Hakimi is such a superb addition at right wing that, in my opinion, even if Inter kind of get by with what they have, in my opinion, they are still massively upgraded on the wings. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this will be a good target for January, but I think Ashley Young's been uh, serviceable. Let's see what else Conte comes up with there. Uh, we know Chelsea was just very, very tough to negotiate with. I also have a feeling they probably didn't want to make <laughs> their former coach's life as easy as possible. So maybe alone they were like, no. So let's see in January. But uh, overall, I think Inter's Mercato, again, I go back to the if the goal was to bridge the gap with Juve, I would say absolutely mission accomplished. Juve certainly did some favors with the coaching change and not having a great window, although they did pretty well. So again, I think they had the best new addition in all of Serie A, Hakimi, Vidal, already paying dividends. They have great depth. They got Sanchez on a really good deal. So no, I think if I'm an Inter fan, you have to be really happy. I think the only thing that I would say probably the worst was having to sacrifice Godin, who had played well at the end of the season. But they ultimately decided the money of that, those wages were better spent on Vidal. Uh, keeping Skriniar might make them win that bet. So uh, I think there's maybe a little bit of disappointment because kind of Inter's market, you know, ending with Darmian Sheridan is in a high note. But overall, <laughs> I still think it's a great window. And, you know, you can build upon that great Europa League run. Lautaro looks uh, rejuvenated. So, no, I, I, I think an Inter fan should be very happy with how all this worked out. Well, that's that's great. So now I'm going to ask you to do two things. I'm going to ask you to give Inter a rating from 1 to 10, the classic Italia, Italian voto. 
And uh, then I'm going to ask you to uh, predict the season from one to seven and give us relegation candidates, Capocannonieri, who will win Coppa Italia and who will win Supercoppa. But let's start with a voto. How um, h- how do you think Inter did? One to ten on the Mercato. I'm going to go seven and a half. I'm going to go again. You, you know the reasons on the mm. positive. It was tough to sell for everyone, but I think Inter did well. I also like that they brought back Radu, Inamonte. I think they clearly have depth. And I go back to we saw in that first match, the great players they got off the bench. What's changed from last year, if you remember that first game against Juve, once Sensi came out and they went to Vicino, the game was essentially over. That will not happen this this year if Inter has to go to the bench. So I give it a seven and a half. They improved. They added the best new addition in Serie A. Uh, they didn't really lose anyone that they wanted to keep. So this is a very good window, in my opinion. Cool. And then... Uh... From positions one to 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 six, or no, yeah, because that's the that's the European places. One to six, Serie A, and also who the three relegation candidates? Sure. Um, so I will say this on my podcast, uh, I picked Inter to win over Juve, not by a big amount, but I have to say the way Atalanta has been playing mm. recently. Kind of gives me second thoughts. And also, I wouldn't, I, I want to kind of keep Napoli in the Scudetto mix. Mm. I really like what they've done this summer. So I'll go Inter 1, Juve 2, Atalanta 3. In my opinion, that's kind of the Scudetto race. I'm going to have Napoli 4th, but I really, really like what they did. Mm. Koulibaly staying. Ossiman's looks really like a great addition for them so to me those are my top uh i know this is an inter podcast but <laughs> i do like what milan's mm, done i think a, sure. i think today they're going a little bit too crazy because they didn't get a center back but i like what the team's done there i feel like there's a dark cloud hanging all over lazio since last since season didn't end well they didn't get david silva but at the end of the day they kept everyone they did improve their depth. So I'll tell you what, I'll put Lazio fifth, Milan sixth, and then Roma. Again, Roma with Zaniolo out. I know they brought back Smalling. I like their young backs, but um, I think this is a team that without Zaniolo is a year away. So that's my top. As far as the relegation race, uh, I think it would be easy to say all the teams that were recently promoted to Serie Aldo Benevento looks pretty intriguing. Uh, Parma was very active at the end of the window, but they went for a lot of young players, which the race to avoid relegation can backfire. So I think they will be in that mix. I think Sampdoria more than Genoa. I like Genoa's window a little bit more. So I think those teams need to worry. I will say there's one team that I think people have buried too much and are have them as a contender for relegation. This is Verona. I'm actually pretty high on Verona. I think they will be the surprise team. And I'll say it on your podcast. They said it on mine as well. I think Verona finishes ahead of Fiorentina this season. Mm. Who do you think? Uh, uh, sorry. Yeah. So uh, what about Capocannoniere, Coppa mm. Italia and Supercoppa? Just quickly. So I'm all in on Lukaku. I love him this season. I think with Hakimi, uh, Lukaku had a monster season with Hakimi will be even better. So I'll pick him for Capocannoniere. And the Coppa Italia, I'm giving the Scudetto Dento already. So I'll give Pirlo a trophy his first season. How's that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay okay nice one um thank you so much for coming on david and if, uh, i know you, you you do so much and have you got anything in particular you want to plug right now and, or whatever and the floor is yours if you know uh, no. hey I, I love your show thanks for having me guys i love all the work you guys do the previews your dedications fantastic so yeah if you enjoy my coverage of uh transfers we're gonna recap them on this week on Cultureland. i'll show i'll write quite a few articles and then we'll cover sadia there so uh yeah that's where you'll hear me mainly and i write now because freelance works a little bit on hiatus uh if you want to become a patron on Cultureland, i'll have some articles there as well but it was a real pleasure being on with you guys thank you so much 
keep up the fantastic work. I love your dedication and all the great stuff coming from the site. Thank you so much, David. And right back at you. Uh, really appreciate everything, uh, all, all your support for us through the years for the site, uh, the podcast, everything, and also your great work. Thank you, David. Take care. Ciao. Ciao, ciao. Right. Uh, that was David Amoyal. Uh, I'm going to quickly go through all of us. So I'm going to say, uh, I want us to quickly, um, Mo, uh, 1 to 10, Inter's Mercato, and a brief explanation why. And then I'm going to go around and, get, and have all of us do it. And then we'll do the same with the rest of the stuff. Yeah, I think uh, I think a strong 7 is, uh, is where I'm at. I think it's been a very good Mercato. Uh, actually, a, yeah, a very good Mercato. I think the only issue is probably uh, we... We we should have sold a bit more than uh, than than we did towards the end. Gotten uh, offloaded some of players that uh, are excess uh, capacity. But uh, in terms of additions, I think depth for all the reasons that David uh, articulated so well. I think depth mainly and and the fact that we have the Serie's best uh, incomer uh, uh, makes that the incoming additions are strong. It's just outgoing. Maybe we fell a bit short. Yeah. Um, what about what about you, Will? Seven as well. Um, I think the squad is stronger than it was before the, the Mercato started. There's at least two players for every role, so uh, squad depth is good. I think that's improved on last season. I think Lautaro and Sanchez can almost be considered two. Well, Sanchez is a signing, and Lautaro uh, is is ha- sort of half a signing because he was linked to Barcelona for about six months. Um, there's a clear upgrade at right wing back, swapping Candreva for Hakimi. I think the fact that Conte is happy having got his sort of men like Vidal and Kolarov and Darmian, alas, uh, is also a positive given that we finished last season with him uh, about to walk out. Uh, there's been some players that have moved on that we didn't want. Lazaro, Dalbert, Jean-Mario should be official tomorrow going back to Portugal. So there isn't, I think besides Nainggolan, I don't see too many players that Inter were, were desperate to sell and haven't been able to sell. Uh, I think Icardi is worth a mention as well because he went mm. right at the start and for a good price. That was not uh, guaranteed when the Mercato started, so that was very good. Um, no upgrade on Gagliardini is one of the negatives, I think, because that means Ericsson remains a problem. Um, the, the, the the shift towards um, older players over young players is a potential issue, but if we win the Scudetto, I don't care. Uh, there's not really a backup to Lukaku, which is a bit of an issue. Godin is a shame. Um, I think, obviously, that was a financial decision. Maybe not a dependable left-footed wing-back on that side because Perisic and Kolarov have both got uh, question marks over them. And if I'm being picky, uh, Handanovic is still the first-choice keeper who's renewed mm. his contract. But maybe we'll leave that for a, a, a non-COVID Mercato. That might have been a few <laughs> months this summer. Mm. What about you, Mike? I'm grading the, the players going in and out. I'm going to give it a 6.5. Um, but I think, and I think this is a distinction that needs to be made this summer. If I'm grading the people who get paid to make transfers, which is Maralto and Auxilio, I'm giving them a seven and a half. And the reason for that is this market got a bit hijacked from them. This is not what they really wanted mm-hmm. to do in a lot of ways after Hakimi. I think that's obvious. And I think it was a very, if they're thinking big picture and they want to keep the long-term project rolling, I think they did a fantastic job to appease Conte by getting Vidal, Darmian, and Kolarov in for about 5 million euros. You can say whatever you want about them, but the price for that is unreal. They didn't move out anything of real value, I would say, other than Godin. Um, but, you know, by and large, if that's all you're selling, uh, I think you're fine. And I think the big factor, too, is they didn't panic and they didn't sell Screenyard, they didn't sell Ericsson for less than what their value would be. Um, these are two players who, if they're deployed correctly, are world-class talents. Uh you know, in a year's time, they might have a different manager anyways who might use them well. But I think the big thing was for me was not just what did they do, but keeping the books clean in the big picture. You know, I, I said at the end of last week, if they brought in N'Golo Conte for 50 million, uh, given his age and given his style of play, it would have been a disaster. That's something you can't get out of. That's something that hurts you in the long run. Right now, going into next summer, this club is doing really well financially. They're probably going to start in the black because they have an obligation for Pinamonte and for Darmian, but they also have Matteo Politano's money coming due, and I think that's 20-something million euros. So I think they did a great job when their hands were tied to appease their manager, to appease their boss, and also get a squad in here that can compete for the Scudetto. So great work by them, even if... Well, um, for me... Uh... why I grade them so highly. It's bigger than just the players in and out. Right. So uh, for me, uh, I always do it like this. I, 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 I give a rating for players out and then one for players in and then divide the, the sum of that by two. Players out, eight. 
they did an absolutely phenomenal job in very difficult circumstances, getting rid of a lot of players. Uh, from Dalbert to Jean Mario to you know all, all the stuff that you know all the things all, all the young players they found suitable loan addresses for. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed Ranocchia staying, uh, but they decided that they needed him and Pirola wasn't ready. I'm okay with that. I trust their judgment on that. Um, in terms of players in uh, six, uh, I think uh, Kolarov is a disaster. I don't care if he was cheap. It's a bad move. He's already conceded. Been 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 has his finger in four goals conceded. He's not good enough. He's not a wing-back. He's not a defender. Uh, I, it's one of those things where, where Conte has decided that he needs him for whatever reason, but Inter don't, and they're not better for it. But given the length of the contract being one year plus one option and that he was cheap, um, okay, whatever. He can play against Benevento and teams like that. And even if he you know, cons- causes three goals conceded, we're good enough to score five, six. So that's what I'm hoping. But Hakimi is a brilliant signing. Um, there's no doubt about that. Uh, I think Vidal, for the money he is, uh, for the money they gave, is, uh, is, is, is okay. But above all, and this is why I'm much more positive today, Keeping Raja Nainggolan and Milan Skriniar incredibly important for the growth and development of this club. They are almost like signings. Ivan Perisic deciding that he's going to play as a wing back is also a, a player with with immense quality and experience, and it and it and it, and it gives um, Conte an extra you know an, an extra weapon in his arsenal to to use Perisic. A little bit disappointed actually that Victor Moses wasn't be wasn't able to be brought in on loan because I think he could have played a role. Uh, because I think Ashraf Hakimi is so damn good that he can play as a left and right wing back. He's he, his left foot is pretty damn good, as we saw against Lazio as well. So for me, it's an eight out, uh, six in, divide by two. That's seven. Uh, so I, I think it's a decent mercato. I think it gives, like you said, Mike. I think what you alluded to is spot on. I think financially, it doesn't hurt Inter too much. Um, and I think next summer is is definitely time to fix the goalkeeping situation because Handanovic is past it. I think we can't deny that anymore. Uh, you know, he's been one of the best things during the darkest 10 years maybe in Inter's modern history, but it is time to move on, and I think he would be the brilliant backup goalkeeper uh, to hopefully Juan Musso, who I think and hope is the marquee signing next summer. Uh, right, let's uh, quickly uh, Serie A predictions one to six. Uh, um, I'm going to go first. Uh, I I have a little cheat list here because uh, it's it's. I think I I'm just going to caveat this and preempt this by saying that I think that this season is going to be so much tighter. Um, I think the 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 table is going to be in three very clearly in three parts, and it's going to be the top six, seven, who I think numer like numbers wise won't be it won't be that big of a difference like it's been these past few years between them. I think the bottom two are going to be relegated pretty quickly, uh, and and I think then going to have a big block in the middle, and and I think Juve are going to win. I think At Inter are second, Atalanta third, Napoli fourth, Milan fifth, Roma sixth, and Lazio seventh. And I think Spezia, Crotone, and Parma, unfortunately, Parma are being relegated. Uh, Mo, what about you? Yeah, I got um, similarly a uh, similar overall general prediction. I think it's a tight, uh, tight top of uh, the table. Um, I, I reckon that uh, Inter are going to win. I've said this uh, before. I think this is our season. Uh, feel very good. I um, surprisingly think that Atalanta are going to come in second, very close to Inter. And I think maybe there's a bit of a uh, bit of daylight between them and the third and Juventus. Um, I also think that Napoli are going to finish fourth, and then uh, we're going to be followed in by uh, by uh, Milan and uh, Milan and Lazio in f- five, six, six, five. I don't know, but uh, Milan Lazio uh, occupying the outside of the the top four uh, European European places. I think in relegation, it's uh, probably uh, Spezia. Uh, uh, Crotone and uh, I'd say Udinese. Yeah, I, I had the Udinese just above there. <laughs> yeah, 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 they've been exactly. looking bad for a few years. Yeah. Right, Will, Will, what about you? Yeah, I have uh, Udinese, Crotone, and Spezia getting relegated. Um, and then the top six, as you said, is really a toss of a coin. I keep changing my mind. Uh, I just have something in my mind about Atalanta this season. Um, mm. 
So I'm I normally go really safe with the Scudetto and go Juventus. I don't think it's I don't think I've predicted anything other than Juventus for the last six years. So I'm going to say Atalanta will win the league um, because they look like the best team in the league at the moment. Um, I say Inter second, Juventus third, uh, Napoli fourth, Milan fifth, Lazio sixth. Mm. Uh, Mike, I will for relegation. I'll go ahead and you know and I'll. I'll play the odds and we'll just say the same three that went up go right back down. I don't actually believe that will happen, but when I sit there and look at Udinese, I think that Busso and Paul are too good to keep them, you know, from going down. I thought about Torino, but I don't think Belotti will let that happen. So we'll say the the promoted clubs go right back down. Um at the top of the table, I said it last week, until Juventus doesn't win the league, mm. I will pick Juventus to win the league. So they will they will go first. I will have Inter second, Atalanta third and Napoli fourth. Um I will pick Lazio at Five, uh, just because the top of that group is still so good, and Milan at six, um, which is above a banged up Roma but below Lazio, because a lot is going to depend on whether Pioli can do it for a full season and whether Ibrahimovic stays healthy, and that's a lot to ask of it. You know, a retread coach and a 39 year old as brilliant as Ibra is. So uh, Juventus wins the league. We'll say Atalanta actually wins the co- uh, the Copa. Um, Unfortunately, no silverware for Inter, and hopefully I'm wrong about all of that. Well, okay. Well, you said Coppa Italia. I think Juve are going to win the Coppa Italia. Uh, and I think Supercoppa is going to, the Supercup is going to be won by Napoli. And I think Cristiano Ronaldo are going to win, is going to win the, his, he's going to write his, his, the history he wants to write by winning, becoming top goal scorer in, 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 in England, Spain and Italy, uh, which is what he wants to do. Um, if we're just quickly going back to you there, Mike, who's your Capo Canoniere? Who's your Supercoppa winner? Um, Supercopa will be, gosh, I'll, I'll pick Juve again for that. And unfortunately, I am, I agree with you on Ronaldo. That was what he wanted. I think I can't put my finger on what this Juve squad will totally do, but there's so many weapons that'll give him space. He's just going to bag a ton of goals this year. Mm. Will, what about you for Coppa Italia, Supercopa and Capo Canoniere? Uh, I'm with David on the Capo Canoniere. I think it could be Lukaku's year, uh, provided we get some penalties because you know uh Lazio and Juventus had a lot of penalties last year I have got uh Juventus winning the Supercoppa uh and I've got Milan winning the Coppa Italia which is because uh, I thought they were on the other side of the draw but they're not so but I put Milan so I'll pick that because they look like they're doing good things mm, nice one uh Mo what about you Luca Cone. Uh, mm-hmm. Lukaku for uh, Capo Canunieri. I like uh, I like your call on Milan for the uh, for the Coppa Italia. Will uh, I'll, I'll I'll go with that, and uh, I think the Napoli are going to win the Supercoppa. Mm. So Senza n- titoli per uh, Juventus. I you see. I, I <laughs> this is yeah no. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's it's Pirlo. Everyone likes Pirlo, and it's Juve, and they've done some damn good things on the market. So I I, I don't see how they're not going to. I actually see that I actually have them as an outsider in the Champions League as well. I think they're real. They, I, I don't like this. This if Juve we, team. Uh, if we out. get the Scudetto, I'll more than gladly have make uh, have them have the Champions League and then, you know, like I don't, uh, I don't, I don't ever want them to win the Champions League. If we break, if we break the tenth, uh, the the like, if we prevent the tenth uh, Scudetto from happening, I'll I'll I'll, I'll give up uh, a Juventus uh, Champions League for that, <laughs> no doubt. No, I, I, I'd rather they win a hundred Scudetti and not a single Champions League because they're obsessed by it. It's more fun that way. It's more fun that way. <laughs> yes, I'm petty. Uh, right. Um, just uh, let's move on to uh, the uh, games against Lazio and Benevento because they were so different. I mean, the Benevento game to me, Inter were so unbalanced and they basically played like, what was it, two, three, five? Uh, where where Conte seems to, in my opinion, after that game, I was like, well, does he think, does he, I mean, when he starts talking about Bayern Munich and Man City and he's playing like Atalanta, I'm thinking, well, this Inter is starting to look like a, like a rich man's Atalanta and they are playing as charming as Harry Redknapp's Tottenham Hotspur. Only those teams don't win titles. Uh, they were so unbalanced. And I didn't really, I, I really didn't like it too much. I thought we were way too unbalanced. I don't think it was as much, although it was a, some of those things were individual errors. Inter, you know, Inter were very unbalanced in that game. But then we go into Lazio and, and Inter show that they can play balanced. Okay, there were still, still some defensive things to iron out, but they looked balanced. I mean, in the first game against, I mean, that first game against Benevento, you could have driven a fleet of interstate buses sideways through Inter's midfield. 
and you wouldn't have hit anyone because there was no one there. That's how unbalanced Inter were. Whereas against uh, against Lazio, the team, the different parts of the team, they played like a unit, and Arturo Vidal looked incredibly important. And I liked what Antonio Conte did with Barella in that trequartista role. I thought it was a very interesting. I mean, Mike was talking about Rosary. Just think Raja Nainggolan going into that as well. The three of them in the Champions League. They're, they're going to be a painful team to play, and I think that's good for Inter. I think it's, it gives it gives us options. I still have questions about Christian Eriksen, but we'll, 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 we'll do an episode on him a little later on because I think that is a genuine issue because today, based on the Mercato, both Inter and Eriksen were very adamant they wanted to continue together. So clearly they are working on something and that's, that's a good sign. Uh, but I mean, going back to this game, Mo, uh, what you know, if you can contrast those two performances, what, do you, what, do you, what did you take away, the positive stuff? Look, honestly, I, I, I really like your analysis uh, of balance. Balance has been uh, a key, uh, like a key uh, theme for me when analyzing the teams. And I think balance was really what, uh, what allowed uh, our, uh, our Conte's Inter to finish the season off so well last year. And I think uh, Conte spoke about balance in transition and balance in, in individual interpretations of movement. So I think balance is, is very important. It was lovely seeing a free-flowing attack against Benevento and of course it's Benevento so you know we take uh, we take the performance with uh, with uh, a respectful grain of salt but uh, I, I think the the team against Lazio was much more reminiscent of uh, a, a, a real genuine side that is interpreting a tactical uh, idea and 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 like you say uh, playing cohesively and of course you know uh, wh- whatever happened happened by the 60th minute so uh, maybe ghosts of seasons past, uh, uh, both on Conte's uh, part in, in, in interpreting that lull, that um, that early second half lull, uh, or misinterpreting uh, the physical output of the team there. Uh, but I think overall it was a, a better team performance, uh, and, and uh, like we'll talk about it later. But I think. Uh, Vidal's role, particularly in Lazio, is, is, is very commendable. In the Lazio game, is very commendable. For sure. Um, Mike, uh, I'm, curious, I'm keen to hear what you think. Uh, uh, I mean, the Benevento game felt a little bit... Inter were just, you know, even though they were insanely good at attack, it just felt like at any point we could have gone from 3-0 to 3-3. Not because Benevento were that good, but because of the fact that Inter kept dropping the ball and looked so unbalanced. And then you go into the Lazio game and it's the exact opposite of that. Obviously, they're working on finding the perfect balance and that's, you know, that's work in progress. But what did you make of it if you, you know, based on these two games? I mean, the, what are the first, you know, these first three games? What, 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 do you, what do you take away going into the derby? I don't even know what to take away. Um, and that's what, you know, a week ago when we were previewing this, I was saying, I, I want to know. They're going to try some things. They're going to see what works and what doesn't. And I don't think, I think they're slightly closer to figuring out what they want in their midfield in that, you know, I think going into the year, Nicolo Barella was, you know, was going to be involved as much as possible. I think Conte is going to lean a lot on Vidal as that second guy. Um, the last two maps are frustrating just because, you know, like you said, it's, this was a total pendulum, you know, pendulum swing. And on the one hand, they did dictate tempo. They did dictate some possession in the first half. But the problem was they weren't creating any chances. And that goal that they scored, uh, that felt like a 2017 goal with Ivan Perisic running around trying to do something, creates a half chance that wasn't even that great, but a certain clinical Argentine striker figures it out and makes it work. That was a Moro Icardi goal that uh, Lotaro scored. And the problem is that uh, three years ago, that was all they could do. There was no midfield creativity. Now it doesn't have to be this way. And you're going out you know, against a team that Yes, it's away from home. Yes, Lazio is a good side, but nobody here, none of none of us are picking Lazio to be in the top four, right? You go to Lazio and you have the squad that Inter has, and you're going to win the title. I, I want to see them dictate play a little more, and especially that you know we after the fact. Look, a point against Lazio is in, in Rome is good. You know, it's an improved result over last year. But if you had told us before this match that uh, Lazio's already weak back line would be so patchwork that Parola would be playing center back, and mm-hmm. that they'd be playing up a man for half an hour and the man dismissed as Chiro Mobile, I'd say, great, they're the three points in the back. If you're going to win the Scudetto, you got to take three points in that scenario. And, you know, some of it is obviously on the players in the field to execute, but the first 45, 50 minutes, I don't think they were being, you know, as aggressive or as much protagonist as they should be when they have a clear, better squad. So I don't know. I want to see what the midfield is moving forward. Um, again, I think they're going to still be throwing things around to see what works, but I don't think they've found that balance yet. I think that's going to be ongoing. Mm. 
My, uh, sorry, Will, well, what are your, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, mostly positive. I mean, the, the, my biggest regret from that match against Lazio is that we've given more oxygen to the most annoying coach in Europe. Uh, <laughs> today we stopped into with Parolo at centre back and all his, all his self congratulation, which, gets, <laughs> you know, being, being serious, um, it was the right result, I think, but it is also two points dropped given the way that the, the match developed uh, into let the match really slip from their grasp for 15, 20 minutes in the second half, could have found themselves 2-1 down, had uh, Lazio been a bit more clinical with the chances they had. Then uh, they got it back in, they got it back under control. Um, but I, I do agree with Mike that the, I thought the first half was a little bit lacking in creativity. Um, I don't know if that's because Brozovic, Sensian and uh, Eriksson were all on the bench and it was a much more muscular midfield, but I felt that that was... That was a detrimental factor in the first half in terms of the way that we were bringing the ball forward um, because it seemed a little bit um, laborious. But um, you know, I'm not I'm not that bothered about a draw in Rome. That's not that you know that's not why we'd lose the Scudetto if we end up not winning it. Uh, the Benevento game was a bit weird. Uh, we could have scored ten. We could have conceded five. Um, the thing <laughs> that I took away from it was the the Hakimi Lukaku partnership. Uh, that that was kind of you know the new sort of version of Perisic to Icardi. We've now got an upgrade on that hashtag that Inter um, launched a few years ago. We've now got Hakimi to Lukaku, and I, I think that's going to produce a lot of goals. But you know, if these were matches that were taking place in December and January, I'd be a bit more concerned. But you know, ultimately, it's right at the start. We haven't had a preseason. Um, Vidal has already made a great impact. Hakimi's made a great impact. And there are a lot of things that can be improved. So in that sense, I feel, you know, a little bit frustrated that, that, that we didn't win the game against Lazio. But ultimately, I think there's a lot that can can get better. And um, and I'm not feeling I'm OK. I, I think I think we can be reasonably satisfied with with how it's, things have started. No, for sure. I mean, it, it's a tough start. Fiorentina, Lazio and then Milan. I mean, it's, it's not a, it's not the same start that Milan have had against Crotone and Spezia. So uh, you know, so so it, it, this is a, this is a difficult start for sure, and and Inter have come away with uh, with seven points out of nine, and I think that's that, that's that's decent. That's really decent. Uh, uh, right, uh, we didn't speak about Alexis Sanchez, but I mean, he, he's there and he's brilliant, and when he looks like this, he is absolutely phenomenal and unplayable. And to have him as an option, and I think that's what me, I think Conte is going to rotate a lot this uh, this this season. I think based on what he said. Uh, and what he's how he's how he's approaching it, and especially what he said after the Lazio game, he says he's he's calling on everyone to be prepared to play because he has no playing. choice. Yeah, it's he so has cramped. no choice. Yeah, it's so cramped. And but now he has options, and that means that with Narajana Ingolan staying, it means that I won't have to see Roberto Gagliardini play as much, which is only good for Inter. Uh, so you'll see him. He'll <laughs> stop I saying that. I know it's I true. He's, gone. he's gonna come I, back at that. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to say on the Lazio game, one of the biggest positives was um, how how lovely is that third kit? I was getting 1998 mm, um, vibe sure. from it. It was gorgeous. Um, Lautaro suited it very well, I thought, when he was scoring. Peach. Absolute peach. For sure, for sure. Right. Um... Uh, right, let's um, let's move on to uh, the part of the show because next week we're uh, no because no, next week obviously there's it's the international break so we will be doing a pod but we will be previewing the derby in it and focus entirely on the derby next week so we won't be talking about that right now uh, because it's uh, a week away before we really can begin talking about it. and we'll, by then we'll also know if Zlatan Ibrahimovic is back and if Inter have or, or Milan both of these clubs have avoided contracting more COVID-19 uh, players who have contracted that given that they're, some of them are going to travel to play with their international teams etc etc so it's all very it's, it's all a very weird reality right now but let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute with the piss out of and criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football starting with the positivity this week's Moratti which we presented by Mr. Mystic Mo. Mohamed Nasa. He's, he works a lot, he's intelligent, and he surprises uh, people sometimes with his uh, ideas. Not easy to find one person of this uh, qualities. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, pay you the royalty uh, or uh, <laughs> more later. Uh, no, uh, look, um, honestly, it's it's been a tough week uh, for uh, a standout. Uh, so I'll think, I, I think uh, we've mentioned the... Uh, Arturo Vidal's uh, performance against Lazio, but not I, I'm not singling out his, his performance on, on, on the pitch in terms of just uh, gameplay, but I think uh, the Cateveria 
which is something mm -hmm. that we missed uh, very much against uh, Sevilla. We spoke about the the the, the Sevilla, the post Sevilla final and the Europa League, and how. Uh, Sevilla showed maturity in how they managed the game and, and, and uh, just a, a general sense of uh, experience and um, it seemed like it wasn't their first rodeo and I, I, I feel like this is the sense I got when uh, with uh, Vidal on the pitch um, you know and you, know, you, you don't want to see someone re retaliating uh, to a foul um, but just that, that particular incident in, in, in you know, winding Immobile up uh, to the point where he had to lash out against him and he got sent off rightly. So I don't think there's any controversy in, in, in the sending off. I think it's a very legitimate sending off and uh, it is what it is. But that sort of, uh, that sort of maturity in, in managing matches, managing individual uh, 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 instances is something that uh, we've, we've lacked for a long time. And for that, I, I single out Arturito for, uh, for his presence on the pitch. <laughs> okay, controversial. <laughs> right, um, let's uh, move on to something much more negative. This week's Moji, which will be presented by Mr. Mike Pilucci. Close out the transfer market. Let's uh, let's give a shout out to. Two of the most annoying clubs that Inter have done business with lately. I'm talking about Cagliari and Tottenham Hotspur. Why? Because when it came time last summer to buy Nicolo Barella, Ugh. is Cagliari willing to bargain? No. Do they want to go elsewhere and make a sale until Nicolo Barella forced their hand to go to Inter? Yes. So what, is, what do they do this time around? Diego Godin has to be there for free and Inter have to help with the wages. Rajanine Galan, he has to come for free. We're so poor. We can't afford it. No, we can't work with you. No. It's so annoying, isn't it? It's, it's so 10 annoying. million euros. It's, it's, it's the worst. And Tottenham going out there, every penny they demand of 20 million for Christian Eriksen. Every mm. penny. When it comes time to ask for a 25-year-old center back in Milan Screener, oh, well, maybe 30. Maybe 30 is okay. <laughs> That seems fair, right? That seems fair. And every annoying, you and uh, Alex Dono did the Lord's work on Inter Twitter uh, dealing with their trolls. <laughs> Truly incredible. So, uh, you know, look, there will shout be out times Alex. When, when, shout out Alex. I mean, there will be times in the future when Inter deal with both clubs. It's business. It's nothing that awful. But at the end of the day, just so obnoxious that they don't, you know, they want everything to be on their terms and they don't want to, when it comes time for them to be doing the buying, they expect all the discounts in the world. Just terrible. Mm. For sure, and I'm, but I'm glad that this time around Inter stood their ground, and I'm really happy about that. Yeah, that's that's a Morata thing, right? Inter. Pepe yeah, don't get pushed around. No, no, no. Inter don't get pushed around. He's as cool as ice, and he just looks you in the eye and says, no. So And, I, and he did that all the way. He didn't let anyone bully him, and I love him for that. So big, big shout out to Marotta for that. Right, uh, let's move on to uh, this week's something much more comical, this week's Frog, which we presented by Mr. William Beckman. Yes, uh, toilet humour is the order of the day, <laughs> the frog of the week. Uh, it's Eric Dyer who uh, played for the, the aforementioned Tottenham Hotspur, uh, had a very unfortunate incident in the, the Carabao Cup uh, last week, last Tuesday when they played Chelsea. Spurs were, were losing and suddenly with 15 minutes left, uh, Jose Mourinho is pictured uh, walking angrily away from the pitch and into the down the tunnel, um, followed in bemusement by the uh, the camera crew that were in the, uh, the by the cameras that were in the sort of um, I don't know what you call this at the area outside the dressing room before you come out onto the pitch. Um, nobody really could work out what would happen, uh, but it turned out that later on he'd followed Eric Dyer down the uh, down the tunnel and in, back into the dressing room because Eric Dyer had to had to run away for a, a very impromptu comfort break. Um, he said afterwards that, uh, you know, Jose wasn't very happy, but uh, I had to go. Nature was calling. Um, apparently he had um, stomach cramps. Um, so uh, he had to and it got too bad, in his word. So uh, <laughs> he when he ran. was asked what when he asked where he was going, uh, Dai said, well, everyone can imagine um, there was nothing I could do about it. Uh, Jose came out and spoke to it afterwards as well. He was in obviously a chipper mood because Spurs got the win in the end on penalties. But he said uh, he said something that caught my eye. Um, uh, he had to go. He had no choice. Um, um, I went there. I went off behind him because I understood immediately what was happening. And I went there to try to make it happen faster. I tried to put pressure on him because we needed him to come back. I'm not sure Jose understands how... Um, 
comfort breaks work. But can you just imagine that having Mourinho chase you as you go to the as you go to the bathroom? That would be a really um, harrowing experience, I think. Um, Gary Lineker really had so a, funny. Yeah, Gary Lineker had a very funny uh, take on Twitter because obviously thirty years ago he very yeah. famously. Um, Pooh uh, himself, literally, on the pitch. On the pitch. Yeah. And was dragging himself across the, <laughs> the said, grass uh, like a cat. It was so funny. <laughs> yeah, quite harrowing. But he said on Twitter at the time, presumably Dyer needed the loo, players just don't poo on the pitch anymore. What's wrong with them? Uh, <laughs> which is a nice bit of, uh, yeah, um, uh, self-deprecation. I would also like to have two honorary mentions because they, they caught my eye today. Um, Barcelona's social media manager had a bit of a faux pas earlier. He, they put out a tweet about Ansu Fati being uh, marked by um, two severe players. And uh, I think they must have, it must have got lost in translation because the, the caption for this picture uh, was that, uh, wow, he's 17 and he's already being double teamed, which was uh, <laughs> which caught quite a bit of um, traction in the replies. So that was swiftly deleted. I don't think they quite thought that through. And also... Um, uh, I mean, this could really be a moji, the whole Juventus Napoli situation. But I think oh Andrea Agnelli needs a shout out for for telling us yesterday on on live television with with no sense of um, you know uh, sarcasm that Juventus abide by the rules. Um, so that's that, that that deserves a shout as well because uh, well, let, let's go back and check what the number is that they have on the uh, uh, Juventus Stadium. I don't think that's that's abiding by the rules, is it? So uh, congratulations for. For, uh, what a mess. I mean, for, not just that. I mean, the Serie A just this past few. I mean, oh, what a mess. What an absolute mess yeah. they've made of it. And, and you know, we can't blame Juventus too much for that. Sure, it was ridiculous to 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 post, to promote the game the way they did on Twitter. It was a bit childish. But they had to turn up. They had no choice. Yeah. It's the Serie A. Otherwise, they're, absolute... they're breaking the protocol as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they didn't. They had to come up there. They had to do all of that. They had to go. They had to go through all of that pantomime because the Serie A is run by idiots, and it's so embarrassing. The whole thing was just such a giant shit. Oh, it was so embarrassing. And incredibly predictable, and you know, forced very predictable. Well, <laughs> and also avoidable. Avoidable. Yeah. So avoidable. Because the protocols are very clear. When when a health authority says you can't play, you can't play. It's as simple as that. Even though they literally hadn't written in the letter, you can't play. They said you have to be in quarantine. But, I mean, then again, that kind of means if you're in quarantine, you can't play. I, I don't... There are, there are two sort of protocols that contradict each other. There's the one that the government have given to all the local and regional authorities for how to sort of deal with this, these situations. But then you've got the league's one, which has been exposed as a basically a lame protocol because it's 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 at the behest of all these regional authorities so it's it's a complete it's always a bit of a short circuit um but you know um they've still they've got two weeks to sort everything out so i'm sure that the italian italy football authorities will will will, will uh, get their heads together and sort something out I, they've never caused chaos before so uh, <laughs> exactly what could possibly go wrong cooperation in the world Jesus, it's it's unbelievable. The Serie A, has, they never miss an opportunity to make any to, to make any situation any worse, do they? Mm-hmm. It, it's really, really rather remarkable by them that they always do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and the season's only three days old. It already <laughs> feels like you know it could end in you know in a month, given the yeah the, the domino effect that could be set off. Is, does this qualify for the? Um, Italian hokey cokey that you love, Nemo. Yeah, that, definitely. Yeah. It's the Italian hokey doke. This, this is, this is pretending shit that you know the st- stuff doesn't happen and, and sweeping it under the rug until it absolutely explodes. But this is, this is just so dysfunctional. It's incredibly dysfunctional what they, what they do. And I don't know. It's, it is what it is. Uh, it's, it's the city. Yeah, it's Italy. What, what, what are you gonna do? Anyway, um, I want to, I want to, that was all we had time for this week. We'll be doing a full preview of the Derby della Madonnina next week. Uh, and we'll be talking more uh, about uh, whatever has happened in the world of Inter. And given that it's the Serie A and Inter, there'll be things to talk about. So I want to thank Mr. David Amoyal for coming on again. And I also want to thank you, Mo. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, and and thank you for churning out those previews in this ridiculous tempo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel really bad harassing you about him. Um, and also, uh, Mr. Mike Pialucci. Pleasure as always. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. And Mr. William Beckman. Goodbye, everyone, and goodbye especially to Samuele Longo, who this evening <laughs> left Inter on a permanent 
deal. I never I thought that. I never, thought, I never thought that would happen until the day yeah. he actually hung up his boots. But it happened end, today. End of an era. He's gone. End of an era. For a transfer fee, Alexis yeah. Sanchez. No yeah. more. <laughs> no more summer tournée with Longo up front. <laughs> against Paris Saint-Germain. It's it is all... the end of an era. We can say that the triple era died is this, today. <laughs> is this the, the end of the banter era? Longo leaving? No, Ranocchio's still there. Okay. Well, we'll see next summer. Yeah. It's the end of the bank, the officially end of the banter era. Yeah. Anyway, until next week, I'm your host, Nima Tarali Rutsari, wishing you a happy end of Mercato. May you have a nice international break and until next week, it is sempre e solo Forza Inter. <laughs>